I first met Luke Bartman in the early 2000s when he was regional brand manager for Red Bull at J. Mulnick & Co. Luke later transferred to Dubai where he continued working for Red Bull and then moved on to Carlsberg. In 2013 he started the African Brand Company, an expert sourcing business based in Cape Town. My name is Holger Meyer and this is Drinks World. Luke Bartman, welcome to the show. Thanks so much, Holger. It's great to be chatting to you again. After so many years. It's been too long. You moved to Durban in about 2000 and what? 2005. 2005, that's correct, yeah. And you were running the, the Melnick office with all the, all the crazy Red Bull boys. It was so much yeah. fun, hey? <laughs> It was so much fun, and we, we had almost no oversight, which was uh, quite dangerous for ourselves, actually. What do you mean you had no oversight? Oh, you know, we were very, um, I don't know if you remember my, my friend Adrian. Yeah. Boy. He's still yeah, with so, Red Bull. No, he's with um, Twizzer now. Oh, uh, okay. I believe, yeah. Um, still in Durban, he's just recently moved back there. Um, but uh, Adrian and I both were hired within uh, a month or so for that role um, in case I needed to head up that region. And um, it was, yeah, it was fantastic. We we uh, we had a lot of uh, free reign, um, and yeah, which was which was really fantastic and allowed us to uh, first of all have a lot of fun, but second of all, we we did quite well as a result of having that freedom. I think yeah. we were top achieving region for a couple of those years that we were there. It so must have been the distributors that worked so hard. It was definitely not the distributors. <laughs> <laughs> no offense. Uh, we, yeah, we might have sold some product into other areas as well. But uh, I'll, never, I'll never officially admit that. But uh, yeah, we got, we got good volumes. Yeah. And yeah, it was a hell of a, a, a great time. I enjoyed my time in Durban thoroughly. Still got a lot of good mates up there. Can so, you remind me who the um, your musketeers were? In, in your in your rule, Ed Morrison. Ed Morrison, yes. Yeah, there was Justice and Danny. Yeah, uh, there was Jared. Uh, the jet skier. Jared, the jet skier, and Trevan Pele. Uh huh. And then after that, uh, we had Ntukozo, uh, who's yeah. now got a. A great restaurant bar vibe in um, in uh, in uh, what is the main street there again in Kazan and Durban? I've just forgot it. Florida the Road. Main, Florida Road. That's it. Yeah. Okay. And out there, and then yeah, we had a few other guys. Scott Barton, actually, that's the other guy. Yeah, and he's, he's at uh, Copperberg in the UK. Yeah. Yeah. Doing terribly. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and then I see. I remember that, I mean, the whole Jay Melnick things, I think they lost the agency and you had to all go and work for Red Bull. Um, yeah, so I think it was in 2008-9 that the, the, the agency was lost and uh, and then, you know, Red Bull South Africa was set up and some people went that way and then other people stayed on the Melnick side. Okay. Um, yeah. I moved back to Cape Town at that time. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. To join Red Bull in Cape Town. The cool office. That must have been a cool office. 
Yeah, that was a very cool office. I mean, like Durban office was also pretty cool. Um, and um, yeah, it was a, it was a, when the company did a transition, it was from the, from the, from almost a distribution company to the head office. So we had a lot of people leave, a lot of staff left. Uh-huh. Um, we had a guy come in from uh, the UK um, and um, didn't really work. There were a lot of clashes and uh, a lot of people left, didn't like the style, the new thing. I think it's changed, you know, just generally people didn't mm. like it. But um, there's a lot of people left, but it was a great time. And then, the, you know, company turned, changed direction, and uh, which was quite exciting to implement a lot of more global ripple strategy. Um, and then, yeah, that, uh, that was it. Then, then, uh, then I left in 2010 uh, for Dubai. You went to Dubai uh, with Red Bull. Yeah, with Red Bull. Was, um, it, I asked for, was it a transfer? Yeah, I asked for a transfer. Okay. Um, I was. Um, I wanted to go uh, just do a little bit more um, traveling, and uh, you know, I felt like I'd hit a little bit of a ceiling in South Africa, and um, so I wanted to, yeah, just go explore overseas a bit more, and um, so I went there, which was which was great. I mean, but Red Bull's offices and in Dubai, we're like chalk and cheese, the South African one. Um, living in, moving to Dubai, I realized, you know, there's a, it's run completely differently. Um, and it was, uh, it was quite a, um, quite a culture shock between the two organizations. Um, in fact, it was, uh, it was crazy. They actually hired someone for the role that they had promised me. So it was, uh, it was <laughs> that's the type of culture shock I'm talking about. So um, yeah, that's what happened. And and uh, Dubai, what was that like? Dubai was amazing as a as a place. Um, I always describe Dubai as a um, it's, it's wonderful for a short time, you know, in a certain mm. time of your life. Um, and it's got fantastic things about it. Um, you get to earn well. Um, you can travel in the region pretty well. Um, there's lots of deals around for holidays and things like that. Um, the for career progression is also excellent. You know, you devise uh, a regional hub, so you mm. you're moving into roles. Uh, you suddenly move into regional roles, which is fantastic. Um, and you know, it's a, it's a global business center, so the pace is fast. It's like um, uh, it's almost like a wild west in a lot of ways, um, and um, yeah, overall good place. But you know, there's you know, as a South African, you know, we love nature and uh, outdoors and things like that. We have a fairly limited offering over there. We've got mm. the sea, which is wonderful, uh, beaches, but that's only for half the year that you can really use them. And then the mountains are not really that um, great. I think if you've got if you're a petrol head and you like your cars and your bikes, then yeah, then that's also, it's, it's a rad place because okay. a lot of activity mm. around in the desert mm. with that type of thing. Yeah. Or was, was it time for leisure? Yeah, there, there, there was. Um, after when I arrived at Red Bull and realized that, that this had just happened to me, I very quickly started looking around for other work um, and um, just realized it wasn't going to be the same as what I'd experienced. Yeah. The positive stuff I've experienced previously. So I, I made some plans to leave, and I joined the Carlsberg Group, which was 
Fantastic. Um, I had a, we were a satellite office um, reporting into Copenhagen and I'd been hired to kind of, not to kind of, but to um, change the layout of the, the Middle East um, distribution strategy. And um, uh, we were planning at the time to build a brewery in, in Saudi Arabia and, um, and we needed to get volumes up. Um, before the brewery was being built. Was it so all non-alcoholic? So it's about, I think about 70 to 80% of the business in the Middle East um, was, um, excluding Saudi, was um, non-alcoholic, yeah. So there's a small, you know, you have a small alcoholic business in UAE and Bahrain, Qatar. Um, okay. uh, but yeah, all non-alcoholic. And we had two great brands there, uh, which were market leaders in Saudi, but not in the rest of the region. So the idea was to bring the rest of the region up to up to speed and get proper distributors and uh, implement basic like uh, marketing plans and things like that. So mm. and that's what I did when I was there, which was incredibly courage, like uh, encouraging and good and fun. Um, there was about 22 different distributors that I got to oversee, which was wow. nice across the region. Yeah. And um, I basically I, I just changed the landscape. I I went out and found the best people that I could, best distributors um, mm. that I could find in any country, and uh, implemented some some good stuff with them. We changed our marketing um, approach, you know, to to yeah, to push a little bit more of the functional angle of the band versus like a more of an emotional connection where the brand was more established in Saudi. And uh, it was just finding good distributors and making sure relationships with them were good and. Um, and um, and just growing the business aggressively, and that's what I did. And these distributors are they all owned by some wealthy royal family member? No, <laughs> doesn't no, it work like that? Sometimes it does. There's influences like that, but um, often um, you know there's a lot of what happens in the Middle East is you have businesses that have uh, maybe they started out in construction, but now they've got a food division because they've got okay. the name. It's, it's that's how it happens. Okay. Um, so big companies with lots of different um, yeah, trading clubs. Um, yeah. But it's, it's it's the same rule of thumb, you know. You, you get if you with as a normal business, you just find the right people to work with, and you know the capability, and then things kind of click in yeah. click into place. And yeah. the and the trade trade was incredibly cutthroat. But was it uh, formal or is it one? It's uh, it's mostly in the Middle East. It depends where you are. Okay. Um, uh, per region, the GCC states are more uh, formal market or, um, yeah, I'd say formal trade. Uh, when you start to get into North Africa, there's a lot of wholesale trade. Um, and, um, yeah, that's it. Um, yeah, Iraq as well, maybe more wholesaler driven. Mm. So, so, yeah. And what, what would be the biggest difference to running a business here? A similar business, I guess. As a from a distributor's point of view. No, from your job point of view. Um, fundamentally, it's the same. It's relationships, people, making sure your brand uh, and your your offering matches what the market needs. Okay. Um, there's nothing fundamentally different. Uh, it's a, it's it's a lot more aggressive, a lot more competitive. Um, Middle East has got a longer a long history, should I say, of trading with 
with Europe and that big buying power. Um, so they know their stuff. Um, they also, as a new developing region, uh, it's a very attractive for a lot of European companies and, and, and first world countries to sell into the Middle East. So the competitiveness is incredibly mm. uh, hard. Um, people will be trying, 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 trying all the time. I mean, in the energy drink segment, I mean, one buyer for one of the local, I think it was Carrefour, one of the retail chains there, told me that they were getting uh, almost, I think it was um, every couple of days, they would have a new energy drink proposal mm. um, on their, on their, um, on their door at that time. Yeah. So, and so, you know, with the nature of the trade is that you pay up front uh, for your listings um, before you've even... Um, before you'd even uh, like spent a, a cent elsewhere, you've got to pay. And a, and a listing fee, I mean, if you look at, I mean, this was, if you look a few years back, um, you're looking at a skew, uh, per skew was probably around about, this is Dubai only, you probably look at around 250,000 Rand, you know, just to get your listings right and mm. the full trade. So it's a per skew, it's a big investment. Yeah, massive. Eh? Sure. Yeah. And and Carlsberg must have been the most fun, your, or your job at Carlsberg must have been the most fun you ever had. Beer is much better than anything else. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you, I had a. It was definitely uh, my colleagues were phenomenal as well at Carlsberg, um, uh, and you know, working for a beer company. I mean, I don't just it just sounds <laughs> perfect, you know. <laughs> um, and it was um, the. Um, what was great uh, was that uh, at the time, my my boss, he kind of oversaw the alcohol side of the business. Well, he did oversee the alcohol side of the business. I was left with the non-alcoholic side. But he he was a great mentor to me um, and um, really just uh, helped transform my way of thinking. You know, when you come from, from a South African perspective into international perspective, you realize sometimes there's a... Well, there is a skills gap, mm. you know. Um, we are, as South Africans, very competitive in some things and we work hard and we, we know stuff. But, you know, when you when you start to get out into the big world, you realize, hold on, that we, you, know, you must learn. Yeah. And uh, so specifically from a commercial standpoint, he almost crash course me over those couple of years. Uh, call it like almost like a mini MBA <laughs> type of thing, which was wonderful because he was a, a phenomenal um uh, yeah, commercially he was astute and he had a, such a good overall understanding of the business so that was wonderful um, he actually or I say was he passed away quite sadly um, just after um, I left the company um, but yeah anyway so it, all, it all makes sense about, it all makes worthwhile when you've got good people you're working yeah. with why, yeah. why on earth would you leave Carlsberg? Um, I was at the it's a very good question um, <laughs> I have a Lot more money now. <laughs> if I stayed, I reckon. Um, no, but um, at the time, I was um, I was I was hankering to do something new, um, uh, quite entrepreneurial, and mm. I wanted to do something on my own. Um, and I'd been waiting for a while to like. I really want. Even in Durban, I was thinking, what can I do? What can I do? But I never had the competency or the, or the confidence to do it on my own, you know, but after my crash course in 
Salzburg. I had the network. I had everything that I needed. Uh, I was astute enough to start it, and uh, so I thought, yeah, now's as good as time as any. But um, fundamentally, it was also just a little bit of a disillusionment with corporate culture um, as well. I mean, Carlsberg was phenomenal to me. You know, when you look at um, a few layers up, um, and when you after a few years, you can um, you can end up in a place in a, in a corporate role where um, you're getting bounced around the globe. Um, you may be not settled, and um, and you've hit a ceiling. Um, and that's you just move around and around and to move further after that then you start to sacrifice things like health family you know you have to and um i was just under the you know i really wanted to move back to south africa at some point and um and um you know family is very important to me and and lifestyle here in South Africa. I'm passionate about the country, so I wanted to get back here. And I thought this is my opportunity to start a business with South African products, moving mm. uh, to the Gulf. Yeah. So um, the business was great. Um, it, it's um, uh, well in the sense that it's uh, you know, South African brands at that time had a wonderful opportunity um, in the Gulf. Um, you know, there was it was still a little bit. It was less loose than it was less tight than it is today, um, and our cost of manufacturing was actually cheaper back then. Mm. Um, my original idea was to start a juice brand because um, I noticed the juice category was something to target. Obviously, with my insights from Carlsberg and my beverage information, yeah. Wilson data, so there was a hell of a nice opportunity. So I started working on that as my first project, um, but. You know, you look at the nowadays, it's a lot more tricky. You know, cost of living in South Africa has gone up uh, mm. significantly. So, you finding now the price of our goods over there in market are pretty much the same as what European goods are. You know, there's not really that cost benefit that yeah. you can trade with anymore, uh, which it makes it which makes it quite difficult to um, to trade from South Africa. Um, so. Yeah, that's just my experience of where we at at the moment. Okay, and, yeah. and that was the African brand company, or is the African brand company? Is is African brand company? Oh. Yeah. So the business started off with the vision of the juice, uh, launching the juice, which did launch uh, in Saudi actually in 2018. Eventually, um, I think it was 2017, uh, but. I think I made a mistake with the type of partner that we had there because we sold in a few containers and then it fizzled out. Okay. Um, but um, so what happened? What happened? We moved back in 2016. Uh, we built a nice little business up in um, in Dubai, um, in the Middle East. Moved back here, um, and the business kind of over the last couple of years pivoted to. You know, I think maybe it was the difficulties that I was facing with uh, local suppliers that, you know, not necessarily being as competitive as we need them to be on that side. Um, and also South Africans, to our own detriment, we uh, we fight a little bit too much amongst each other or like it's a bit too, uh, they don't always see the value in what the role, what it takes to actually yeah. launch brands. Um, becomes very much like, ah, oh, you know, I can try to do this myself or, you know, whatever. And generally they fail. Yeah. So, um, so my, so after a while of, 
of pushing other people's brands, I wasn't getting as much traction as I liked. I had some successes in that, but you know, if not everyone's invested in the in the process, um, you know, taking risks, should I say, in the process, then it doesn't. Uh, anyway, things can not work. Mm. So I, I pivoted over time to uh, the, the 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 what is the the epiphany for me was when I was like, oh my goodness, when I got the relationships, let me just ask them what they want. Mm. <laughs> so <laughs> instead of, here's, a, here's my little portfolio of South African stuff, I'm going to try to push it everywhere and whatever. Mm. So that's what changed my business. So I pivoted to more of a sourcing offering. So um, people that were interested or wanted to deal with me personally or wanted to um, um, source from South Africa and wanted someone who's experts in the landscape you know then you know that's that's our offering um and yeah that's that's good you know that's um that's been a, the, a fundamental and good change kind of didn't know why it took me so long to realize that so sometimes i'm going back through old leads and that i see guys asking for stuff and i i kick myself i'm like oh man you know i could have just i was just saying no you know because i was trying to focus on other people's stuff. yeah but anyway um that's life and um so that's what we do now so and that's how i ended up more in the in the wine and spirit space actually um was that was what was in demand from south africa so um and do they do, do they are they looking for brands or do you create brands for them both okay. um guys what they're looking for is they're looking for um because remember, a brand is one element, but a, you know, South Africans again. Often we think we're, we've become big well, brands anyway. Become a big fish in a small pond, mm. uh, and then um, realize that there's a lot of other bigger brands out there. Mm. Uh, so it's not it's never it's not about having a you've got to have a basic level of brand and price and competitiveness and a match to the market. But what I look for is I look for people um, and. Um, People that we can work with, um, you know, in exports and logistics, you know, it's, it's such a nightmare at the moment. Just illustrating it, but you know, there are going to be issues. You know, mm. guaranteed. So many moving parts all the time. Um, there's going to be compromises that need to be made on both sides, and um, you need to be able to work with people that are are willing to work with you and and overcome these obstacles. Not just people who are looking at um, their own interests. Mm. Um, so yeah, so that's what I look at. So you're gonna have a minimum, just to recap, like yeah, just a minimum threshold of, you know, um, competitiveness, and then it's about the people, mm. people and relationships. Give us an example of a customer, typical, or your best my client, customer. My Give clients, us. my clients vary. Um, you know, we'd work with like uh, the equivalent of a Woolworths um, in a. In one market, another market, we'd work with a speciality uh, importer of wines, maybe as an example. Um, it varies um, fundamentally. Um, and now, uh, the clients that I'm starting to engage with more, the business is going a little bit more larger, or is getting larger, so larger type of client. The more the, more the clients that are, um, yeah, mainstream offerings put it that way mm. yeah and is it then does it become a commodity trade it's close to commodity mm. uh, it's still 
brands uh, or private labels uh, that guys are looking for. Um, there's a lot of pressure on pricing at the moment, so I think there's going to be a big move to private label. Um, but um, it's uh, it becomes tougher, yeah, and and that also just limits the number of South African companies that you that you can work with, unfortunately. Because it's price uh, price driven. Price, yeah, price driven, and yeah, price and overall quality. I mean, like, I don't want to moan too much, but like, um, you know, like you look at trying to get stuff out of our ports at the moment is a disaster. You know, we've got so I've got clients in Africa. We're struggling to get a booking to get something out to them. Uh, it takes four to six weeks for it to get there. Um, and it's a nightmare just to get availability on a ship. No one can confirm it. People are passing by. You know, obviously last year's drama um, and this year's drama in the ports, you know, like they're deteriorating so much that it's really, really hard. Um, whereas you, you compete with a, a sailing, a weekly sailing out of anywhere in Europe, mm. you know. So suddenly the client on his side now needs to, um, you know, build that into the equation and just makes us more uncompetitive, you know. Um, so, yeah, so there's a, there's a few factors around it, but, um, yeah, so it's logistics in that are hard. You know, the cost of manufacturing is going up. Prices are going up here. Um, it's just, it's hard. Mm. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess... not, don't get me, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying it's, there's no opportunity. This is my business and this is why I do what I, I do. There's still opportunity and, you know, there's a lot of value in supporting South African companies, not just from a, um, you know, commercially we, we can be quite um, clever on how we do stuff, but you know, the, the, the social impact of what this, of, of supporting mm. South African manufacturing is very important to me and is a large part of the reason why I do what I do. Mm. So actually the, the biggest part. So you yeah. said, anyway. you said earlier when we spoke about Red Bull that you sold a lot of Red Bull or possibly sold a lot of Red Bull into other markets. Is that, I mean, those sort of brands like Red Bull and Heineken, people are constantly get people asking for Heineken or those big mm. brands. Is that, mm. gra that, that would Very, be great? Parallel stock. Yeah. Parallel stock. So, yeah, I would just to clarify, if I did sell Red Bull at that time, it wasn't to another country. It was uh, within the South Africa. Within South Africa. Okay. If, if I had done it. If you had done it, yeah. And I, um, I remember Macro also not exporting any Red Bull. <laughs> <yes>. <laughs> anyway, um, that's funny. I, I, yeah, parallel goods are, oh, geez, you know, there's a market for guys that do it. And it's generally, um, generally traders, you know. Mm. Um, I don't, it's, you have to be, I've never, I've never done it. That's okay. the short answer. Um, it's um, it's just a, it is grey. You know, it's like a grey area. Mm. And it does, it's really, not, it's not what your business is about. Okay. It's not what my business is about at all. And it's also, it's a little bit frowned upon. You know, like if you want to develop mm. relationships with brands, you can't be, you know, trading outside of you know the established structures that they mm. have, unless they're saying fine. But even then, no, it's. Uh, it's okay. just, I don't but you know, my value is not so much in the um, logistics and the that specific trade. It's about it's about uh, matching the actual business deal on a long term basis. You know, mm. short term trades are not really what no. uh, I'm. Interested.
spending. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So give us an example of a product that works. That works abroad. Mm. Sure. There's um look I work with a lot of guys. I don't want to name one okay. and then another one is gonna be upset, mm. but you know uh, there's um you know we are there's some industries which we are quite competitive on um abroad uh, and there are some nice opportunities um wine has got a phenomenal potential uh, abroad i mean really? i don't know why we why we don't do better you know we do a poor job i think of um not, not poor there's not enough resources behind it that's the short answer um you can have like australia will build big co-ops um and market them and put a lot of money behind one brand and then everyone supplies that co-op. Mm. Um, South Africa, we don't have that uh, that mentality necessary to work together um, to to do that. Yeah. Uh, so we're quite fragmented. And what I mean, while that has positive offsprings, uh, offsprings for other aspects, you know, like having beautiful wine farms with boutique, with restaurants and things like that, the guys have to do that, you know, to keep. Mm money coming in that's a, a lovely benefit and it becomes more boutique and that's also nice it just doesn't mean we get big big volumes but i don't know that's a that's a debate yeah yeah okay so how can how do you think we can help or the listeners uh, i mean yeah so what i'm maybe it's i mean it's more about what i'm what i'm what i'm always looking for is new clients mm. um most importantly uh, networks, people abroad that are interested in sourcing from from South from Africa. Southern. Okay. Yeah, specifically. Um, you know, the offering is almost turn it is a turnkey solution. So, um, so for anybody wanting to do it, uh, there must be a certain uh, purchasing power um, behind it. Um, so, not necessarily for mom and pop type things. There must be a capability and uh, over there. So that's always one thing I'm interested in. Um, on the other side of things, um, um, I'm always interested to meet uh, new suppliers from South Africa. Um, I can't always give them what they're looking for abroad, uh, but I can generally have a you know, short conversation with them and give them some advice on, on where best to focus their efforts and how best to do that. So I'm more than happy to do that. And uh, with a disclaimer that I don't know everything. <laughs> I've, got a, I've got a very limited uh a limited uh, understanding of uh, of uh, what's going on out there. Um, you know, it's, things are changing all the time. But I can always speak to my own personal experience and uh, and how I've experienced things. Yeah. So, so yeah. Um, and yeah. from what countries? Well, what com- What countries are you come? Are you have you worked Interested with? Interested. Yeah. Yeah, I worked with. Well, yeah. Lots. That's a short answer. Um, Africa, Middle all East. Of, all of the Middle East and, and, and North Africa, I've done, um, um, not North Africa, yeah, North Africa did business, then I traded into West Africa a bit. I mean, I've done, yeah, I won't say most countries in Africa because there's a lot, but all the big ones, you know, the Kenyas, Tanzanias, uh, Mozambiques, Angola, the South, and then Southern Africa and surrounds. And in the Far East, I've got uh, done some business in uh, Japan and China, South Korea, uh, Thailand, 
Um, Australia never really did anything in Australia. Um, States and Canada done some stuff, and um, South America a little bit. Um, I'm just exploring some stuff there mm. at the moment, definitely. Um, but um, yeah, have I missed anywhere? No. Yeah. And it, must, so, uh, and it must be going okay if you've been doing it for eight years. Yeah, you know, the business pivoted a few times. Mm. Um, but, you know, yes, I think as long as you client-centric um, and, you know, you, you've got to keep going. It is very difficult out there at the moment. Mm. Uh, yeah, it's a little bit difficult. Uh, I won't lie. Um, but, um, yeah, there's always a... As long as you have good people, that's uh, good clients that support you, and um, then you, you're okay. I think the the key thing that I always tell um, people to look out for is the relationships uh, out there. Um, I alluded to it, I said it earlier, but that's all about people. It's all about network. Um, it's all about um, it's hard work. Um, it's about being flexible. Uh, and in South Africans, we used to. We're used to being flexible a little bit, understanding market challenges. But I think that the uh, the key is always just to be humble, find someone that's willing to support your brand and just, you know, grow them, grow with them slowly. Um, it's a lot of work in the, in getting it ready, um, but that has to get done, you know, uh, when it comes to getting export ready or getting ready for a market that's might make might not make it feasible for you, you know. So then that's something to analyze. Um, but um, yeah, I think a focused approach is another thing. You know, not trying to scatter too quickly everywhere. Be very selective about where you're going to go. Focus on where your relationships are, um, and just yeah, just yeah, don't give up. Eh? That's the that's the thing. Just keep going. Well, thanks for those tips. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, Thank you. And where can people reach you? I'm sure you've African got a website. Yeah, AfricanBrandCompany.com. Okay. Um, contact me through that. Um, and yeah, so it's been great chatting to you. Yeah, again, nice then. catching up, Luke. I hope that we can we can help you. I guess it it just needs one spark, and there's a relationship, and and then it can work. That's often, that's exactly how I've picked up clients mm. in the past. Thank you for listening to our stories here online. In the show notes, you will also find a link where you can subscribe to become part of our community and be notified when we upload our latest content.